Hello, my name is Tony Morbind, news editor at ISMG. Today I'm joined by uh, Reuven Haranashvili, CEO at uh, CYE, Psy. Um, and uh, Reuven has also uh, been the uh, man responsible for setting up Israel's offensive uh, red team. So, Reuven, uh, do you mind if I call you Ruby? Of course. Okay, Ruby. Um, <clears throat> Tell us how you became a cybersecurity expert, how you ended up um, setting up uh, uh, you know, the offensive red teams for uh, Israel. Um, so in Israel, you know, the, the military service is mandatory. So um, before joining the army, um, I've been through um, a process of academic journey in which I've done my B-Science and M-Science degree in computer science and math before joining the army. And then during the process, I was drafted to the cybersecurity unit. Um, there, I had several options to what to do um, in this unit. And one of the most interesting options that I, I've seen there was really to craft, construct for the first time the Israeli red team. That was an idea that uh, the Israeli army was struggling with for a long time. This is within uh, 8200. No, it's a different unit actually. Different one. Um, the cybersecurity unit is a. Um, more relevant for internal protection that includes army, critical infrastructures, and uh, secret services. Um, when you look at 8200, for example, they are doing more the outbound kind of cybersecurity, right? So um, then um, I decided to go to, uh, to really to this, uh, what we call section 21 in the Israeli army, um, and uh, started uh, from scratch to build this capability that to me was one of the most amazing journeys that you can just imagine in, uh, in this kind of uh, environment, like, you know, the toys that you are getting uh, to play with, like F-35, that's a very nice toy to play with, right, uh, just uh, to see how you can attack this kind of environment, that's very interesting. So, so far as you're allowed to uh, tell us, are you able to describe any of the kind of operations that uh, were actually carried out and and uh, and also the initial motivation of saying you know it's not enough to be defensive we need an offensive capability yeah so you know we believe that in order to be able to understand the attacker and anticipate the attacker's steps that's something that i'm taking with me since the army you need to walk the same walk understand the situation once you understand that you know where to put the right obstacles in order to defend right but in order to get there, you have to, in a way, to mimic an attacker, to understand what are the different steps that are going to be taken, how those are going to be executed against your infrastructure, in the end, what will be the consequences, which is, of course, a very important process to do, not in a theoretical way, but in a very practical way. When you do that theoretically, you don't, you don't get the impact of it. When you actually do that, when you use offensive tools, when you demonstrate the risk, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. And the message being perceived very well. Mm. And, and, and again, I'm so, so quite keen to get an example. Yeah, so, you know, we cannot get into the details, but if you think about it, everything in the army from logistics systems to weapon systems, and when you talk about critical infrastructures, whether it's power and water, oil and gas, uh, or secret services related uh, infrastructure, all of them are being a target. You are using every kind of tool capability um, or technique that you've developed over the years in order to see whether those can stand against those attacks. Mm -hmm. Now, in some cases you are uh, successful and then you understand what were the root causes for that. You strive very quickly to solve that and to make, in the end, the 
infrastructure, the army infrastructure to be much more secure. And as you know, in Israel, we have a lot of, uh, in a way, friendly neighbors uh, that uh, continuously they are very keen to develop uh, the cybersecurity capabilities in Israel. So they are continuously attacking um, the environment. So you have to be on guard on a continuous basis, otherwise you lose. Mm. I mean, it's quite interesting. I'm sure you must have smiled when you heard uh, the Russia-Ukraine war being described as the first hybrid war. You know, thinking, hey, I've been, I've been doing this for quite some time. Israel has, uh, has been engaged in hybrid conflict for some time. Right. Um, can you explain to us, you know, is, is cyber just another tool for the military or, or are there particular characteristics of um, cyber in comparison to kinetic warfare? And I'm thinking particularly the difficulty of attribution and things like that. Yeah, so, you know, as you have Air Force, you have Navy, you need to have a cybersecurity unit. And let me give you an example, maybe here a very clear example. Um, in 2011, um, one of the most aggressive uh, SCADA related tools was exposed called uh, the Stuxnet attack. Mm -hmm. This was a cybersecurity tool that was uh, focused on the Iranian nuclear facilities um, trying to cause significant damage there, uh, making sure that uh, they are not able to progress with their nuclear plan. Now let's compare kinetic war to cyber war in this specific case. Um, based on public knowledge, right, without getting into the details, this specific cybersecurity act helped postpone or delay the Iranian nuclear um, plans in around five to seven years, right? And that's by using or utilizing a computer wall that was able to uh, mess up with the, the different environments there without getting into the details, but you know, in the end, things didn't add up to the science, uh, scientists, uh, right? They tried something and it's strange, right? Doesn't, uh, doesn't it work? And then centrifuge start uh, to, to break and so on. But again, very simple, in a way, right, when you compare it to a kinetic attack that you take, I don't know, a, a fighter jet uh, with uh, two tons of uh, uh, bombs and you're going to um, get a very massive damage there, what will be the delay to the nuclear environment in your conception? It will be something in the ranges of 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. And that's the most powerful attack that you can imagine, right? You're sending, uh, allegedly, right, uh, airplanes from, or fighter jets from Israel uh, very far away to Iran, and then you use uh, this very powerful weapon, create a lot of collateral damage, but in the end you get a delay of 12 to 18 months. Here you use the very elegant tech going through computer systems, and you created five to seven years of delay in the, in the environment. Much cheaper, much cleaner, no casualties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Stuxnet was, was obviously an, an incredible development and and, yeah, and that was uh, a not a very successful one because it got exposed right because it got exposed <laughs> although, although the way that actually it uh, you know uh, it, it had the dials working normal when when think the centrifuges were spinning and nobody it just looked as though everything was actually that's the, that's working point, well right? yeah absolutely Deception, right? now that that's an interesting uh, example as well Stuxnet, because that's kind of what people were expecting from um, cyber warfare again with, with uh, russia and ukraine and particularly as russia had um, previously uh, was attributed as being the attacker that caused um, the energy uh, systems to go down yeah. in in ukraine um and yet, actually, we've not really seen that much. It's more been an information war as far as cyber is concerned. I mean, there have been DDoS attacks and there have been various other attacks, but um, it, it's it's mostly been um, 
it proxies, I mean, Conti versus Anonymous, rather than out and out uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian uh, forces versus um, Russian forces? Or is that a misconception? Have I got it wrong? Is, is it just that we haven't actually seen what's been going on? Or, or, or is that the reality? There is a lot, there are a lot of things happening under the surface, let's say. So nuclear environments like Chernobyl, um, energy companies that are being attacked. We, we've seen several of those just lately. Uh, with very sophisticated attack, very similar to the energetic bear or dragonfly thing that you just mentioned, right, which was uh, very common in 2017, 2018, 2019. <clears throat> but, you know, one thing that uh, we've seen that is quite consistent, if you look uh, at the Russia-Estonia war from 2007, 15 years ago, and you see the techniques, you talked about attribution, you follow that and you see that the same things happen again, 15 years later, and we didn't learn anything. First, DDoS attacks against government environment, which put the civilian population in the front, right? Because they were the ones to suffer from that. They didn't get any kind of access to their, uh, I don't know, banking environment, to their uh, government facilities. Um, that created, uh, in a way, uh, demoralization kind of uh, situation in the, in the population. And that's on purpose. That's part of the techniques that, uh, that uh, the Russian uh, government is using. But I can tell you that their level of sophistication in their attacks, when they decide to do something, it's very, very high, right? Well, this was the, I mean, I, I was thinking that we haven't really seen like um, um, solar winds or, or uh, not Petya, and um, that kind of showed their capabilities, but we haven't seen that. Um, I think that there were multiple attacks that were not maybe public yet or will be public soon. Uh, but I think that the focus now, we say that for sure, right? The focus at the moment is not on the cyber security. To be honest, we've expected, as you mentioned, we've expected much more aggressive situation. Again, there are a lot of attacks, don't, don't get me wrong, right? We see a lot of them and uh, the impact of that is quite significant. We just seen an airport in the US being attacked um, by um, supporters of the, of the Russian government. <clears throat> but um, the magnitude of it, to us, right, as a cybersecurity company is much lower than we expected to see. Mm. However, um, with the supporting groups, you know, some commercial groups that are joining uh, to those efforts with the Russian government, we see also a lot of damage. You know, one thing that is a very interesting parameter, um, maybe nuance to pay attention to, is that we've seen an increase in attacks that are more wiper kind of attacks rather than mm. ransomware. The point is you're not trying even to get any financial benefit out of it, just to destroy uh, or to create damage in the, in the other environment. And that's something that we've seen just lately in the European energy company. Mm -hmm. right, so. And I think we just saw uh, Russian aviation as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. just deleting data. Exactly. And th that's the whole point, right? The point is just to cause damage. Uh, mm. with, uh, now, very clear purpose there. I mean, you were saying, you know, sort of about learning lessons from what happened in Georgia and everybody is looking at Russia and Ukraine right now, and obviously including the Chinese, um, Israel, US, UK. Um, what are the lessons that you think we've learned from what's happened in Russia and Ukraine? Um, maybe first of all is that everyone is a target, right? It's not only government to government attack. When you compare it to the kinetic war, the war again, although we see there also that the population are in the center, unfortunately, right? That's a very unfortunate situation. But in the cyber war, everyone is a target, right? Whether those are people in the, just civilians, 
VIPs in, uh, in the population and banks infrastructure and any kind of civilian infrastructure that might cause damage or interference with the daily uh, routines. Another thing that we've seen is that not the war is not limited to those countries that are fighting, right? Uh, it's the collateral damage is all over. Mm -hmm. The US is the target, European countries are target, and that's for either political issues or political reasons um, or any kind of um, retaliation kind of uh, attacks, which, which again, you won't see that a lot with the uh, kinetic wars. So we won't see a combat or a fighter jet going now above Germany and drops a bomb there, but attacking the energy companies that's Mm -hmm. Because our threshold is lower, yeah. yeah. Um, now, you, you're now, um, you know, working in the private sector. Right. Uh, what lessons can um, enterprises learn from the cyber warriors? You know, what, what are the lessons that um, um, cyber warfare teaches us more generally? The first one is that you are part of the world, right? As a commercial organization, sounds strange, but you are part of the world. That means that you need to be prepared. Now, when you talk about being prepared against the nation level capability, that means, you know, the paradox is that you cannot be prepared, right? Because you cannot expect the unexpected. The only thing that, from my point of view, needs to change is the approach in general. That means, in most cases, organization needs to work under the basic assumptions of assumed breach. That means you need to take into consideration that at some point, someone will have some kind of access to your organization. With that said, that doesn't need to me to, to say that your organization should be fully compromised. And that's the point. How do you take the concept of trying to prevent everything to a different approach in which you assume breach and then you try to minimize the damage? Which that's, that is a very possible thing, right? If you want to limit the impact, to limit the financial cost, to limit the downtime of your organization, that's something that you can do by identifying your weak spots, and pressure points, those are two different uh, things, but bo both equally important. So weak points, that means cybersecurity gaps, vulnerabilities, and so on. Pressure points is how a third party can pressure or can press or um, extort your organization for either financial gain or any kind of uh, benefit that they can get, whether it's um, C-level executives in the organization that can be extorted or um, data, private data that you host somewhere, and if someone has access to this data can extort you. Um, those are the things that you need to take into consideration. So change the mindset from prevent everything, the perimeter kind of concept to assume breach and minimize the impact. For that, that means def defense in depth, making sure that monitoring is uh, working in the right way. And of course, being able to react in a fast, efficient way. That means that response procedures and playbooks to do that must be available and effective and continuously exercised mm. in the organization. So mitigation and uh, resilience to live to fight another day. Exactly. Excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you very much.